Before we get into the episode, head on over to RighteousFelon.com for all your favorite beef jerky flavors. I'd recommend starting off with the whole shebang craft jerky gift bundle. The jerky is smoky and savory, spicy and sweet. All of your favorites, all in one variety pack. Use promo code OCSN, all lowercase, to get 15% off at checkout. Don't miss this great opportunity. Go to RighteousFelon.com today. You're as cold as ice. You win. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes podcast. I am your host, Joey DeMeglio, and today I am joined by a fellow Old City Sports Network member and big-time power skating coach, John McWilliams. The Rangers have not made any moves in the past week, but Johnny Mack is here to talk about Alexi Lafreniere and the coaching situation in New York for next season. Thanks for joining me, Coach. How are you? I'm good, Joey. You know, thanks for having me out. Uh, obviously, uh, this is my favorite time of year, um, you know, when, when you – when you kind of kind of are a student of the game and, and uh, you know, there's so much happening right now, you got the playoffs going on and wrapping up here in a couple of weeks and um, you know, free agency and everybody uh, everybody's got an optimistic uh, view really going into the next season, right? Everybody's undefeated. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you want to go in and, and, and think you put the best product on the ice. And um, so there's a lot of tinkering going on, a lot of rumors I've uh, got my takes on some of the stuff, and um, yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's uh, let's talk Rangers. Yeah. Well, what did you th- what do you think of this final four here, though? I know the Toronto Maple Leafs aren't in there, but they did get the one round finally, first time in 19, 20 years. Um, what do you think of this final four? I've seen some people talk about it, say like, "Oh, it's all small market teams." Well, I, you know, it's. <laughs> I, I I like to think every year there's 12 or 14 teams that can win. Right. You, if you look at the NHL, 32 teams, there's, you know, if not 16, right. We've seen eight seeds go in and, and, and go all the way. Um, you got to get a little lucky. You got to be, got to be a little bit, um, you know, stay healthy. You got to get a good call. Um, what, what the difference is, it, it, those four markets, the four markets that we're talking about, they have an advantage. They certainly have an advantage over anybody in Canada because of their state tax, right? So so you can go to, you know, Florida or you can go to Texas and you can make, you know, take home a lot more of your pay than you would in Toronto, right, at, at the same salary. So, you know, as far as attracting free agents, you got a lot of guys that, that are in those markets that, um, you know, they, they could have played in the Torontos and the Montreals and the New Yorks and they chose, you know, it could be, they have to do with their personality or their family. Um, you know, a lot of guys like to golf, right? They want to play in a market that they, you know, Vegas, you can golf every day. Um, so, so as far as attracting, but you know what, credit to the four of them. Um, this, this hockey, this, this playoff hockey is beers, right? It's, it's pretty smash face hockey this year that, that I haven't seen in a while. Um, the scrums after the whistle, it's, you know, uh, there's some vicious, vicious plays that aren't getting called. And, I, you know, I, a guy like me loves it. I think it's great. Um, you know, whoever's the the, the bravest and, uh, um, you know, can, has the biggest pain threshold of the guys that are going to win. But it could be anybody. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Florida. I mean, if you look at the two teams Florida just took down, right, they took down Boston out for a miraculous season and then Toronto who was playing real well. Um, I think Matt Kachuk is, a, is an X-factor. Yeah, he can go in as well as team to win. He's skilled. 
Ah, he's tough, you know. So, but it's going to be good. It, you know, it's good hockey, and um, you know, I think it's great for the league. Yeah, Matthew Kachuk is a difference maker for Florida. That was a big blow losing Huberto and Uyghur, but I mean, Montour has stepped up big time for them, especially in the playoffs. He set the record for points in the season by Florida defensemen. And Kachuk, what did Paul Maurice call him? He called him a gamer. Like he is, a, he is a, a one of a kind player. Yeah. Lots of Ranger fans are like saying that they need to get a guy like that. Unfortunately, guys don't come around too often. No, you count him on on like one hand in the NHL right now. Yeah, but, his brother's another one. Yeah, Brady Kachuk is a great one. Yep, Brad Marchand, and yeah. then Tom Wilson. Yeah, but Tom Tom's not going to get a hundred points, right? Right, right. Not going to get a hundred. He's more of the uh, yeah the uh, physical side than the skill sure. side. Of it. Josh Anderson in Montreal, to a certain extent, plays that 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 you know big and heavy and and has a skill set. So. Um, you know, close to you guys have his Kreider. He's a big man, and he's yeah. a, you know, uh, uh, you know, he doesn't uh, he doesn't fight, but he doesn't really have to. He you know, but he's he, he's really come into his own as a nice yeah. player. Yeah, sometimes he shies away from the body checks and the physicality, and sometimes he gets away from his north side, north north south uh, element, which uh, you know I don't think is the best thing for him. But when he's right. playing the way that he needs to play, he's one of the best players out there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I mean, shifting on to the Rangers is uh, Alexi Lafreniere. I've, um, a lot of conversation about him because the Rangers have a, a cap situation this uh, summer. They have to bring him back. Um, he's a restricted free agent, and you know he's going to be asking for a little bit of money. I mean, not like he, it's going to be more than his entry level contract, which is less than a million dollars. So what, like at least two million dollars. But some people have criticized his, his skating ability, and you being a power coach, and I should mention to the audience, Johnny Mack is you've you've coached, you've uh, skated with Sidney Crosby, Nate McKinnon, Kale McCarr, some of the best to ever do it, some yes. of the best in the league right now. So if anybody has like a good opinion or some sort of analysis or insight into this, I think it would be you. Yeah, you know what, Alexis, Alexis Lafreniere can skate. Um, you know, the, there was a guy I had on my show here a couple of weeks ago, Dave Boland, with uh, won a couple cups in Chicago, and uh, you know, and he was knocked because he couldn't skate. Well, I taught him to skate, and and he could skate. People have to understand that everybody doesn't skate the same way, right? Um, you know, a lot of guys do. There's a pretty cookie cutter way to teach skating now, um, but. Guys with different body styles and different body types and a little heavier, a little lighter are going to look different. So somebody that looks like they, you know, they're laboring down the ice, a lot of times that's because it's a big guy, right? He's actually skating real well. I watched uh, Alexis Lafreniere. I was at the World Juniors in uh, Ostrava, Czech Republic back in, right before COVID. So 2020, uh, Christmas uh, 2019 and uh, you know, I think the finals were January 5th or something. So I went over um, and, and I had some meetings going on over there and 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 I watched him up close. He was hurt for part of the round round, but came back and played in the semi in the final. And he could skate. Here's the here's the problem with Alexis Lafreniere. Lafreniere. He's not a number one overall pick. It was a weak, weak draft year. Okay. He was he was the best that year. But let you put him in today's draft or this year's draft seven or eight, 
right? So, so the pressure that's put on this young man going to a market like New York, right? First overall pick, um, you know, the people, people in the, in, in the, in the Ranger fan base are expecting Matthews or expecting McDavid. They're expecting, you know, um, you know, somebody like that, that that's, you know, a difference maker right away. And, and I'm not saying that, 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 that Alexi couldn't have been a difference maker, but when you come into a team with kind of the top six that, that he's had to kind of, uh, you know, compete for ice time with, you know, it's tough. And then he's, you know, he's with, he's with another kid in, 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 in uh, Kako. And, and then you've got, you know, and then at the deadline this year, they bring in two of the best players in the world. Right. So he, you know, everybody's all, oh, he didn't get a point in the playoffs. We didn't really get put in a position to get any points. Let's face it. Right. He wasn't playing. He was, he was starting, uh, starting sequences in, in his own end. He wasn't getting very many off. Offensive zone because there were so many guys that that uh, were out there that could score. Um, so I think he got lost in the shuffle a little bit. I think, uh, but I, I wouldn't give up on the kid. I, I I would try to bridge him. Honestly, you don't want to you don't want to sign him to long term deal because you don't know what he is yet, right? What is what what is he? Is he a top six? Is he a top nine? Um, if you if you don't think he's a a top six after um, you know a year and a half down the road. He'll, he'll uh, you know, that bridge deal, he'll, he'll still be restricted coming out of that. But then you have some some options. You can move him, you know, to a contender at the deadline, um, get some assets for him. Or I think the kid's going to do well. I, I, I really do. Um, but if they put him out there, they're going to get a lot of interest. I don't know what kind of assets he'd bring back. But, uh, I, I, you know, Montreal will definitely be in on him being a French kid. Um, they'd be in on him hundred percent. I know Vancouver's already asking for him. So his old agent, Emily Castanier is uh, assistant GM in Vancouver. So, um, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, uh, a comfort for him in that market. Um, I don't think they should give up on him. I, I bridge him at, you know, 1.8 to 2.5, whatever works cap wise and, and then turn around and, and, and see what he's like. Right. Put him in a position to succeed. Yeah, 1.8 million sounds like a, a really good deal for, for the Rangers because they have, I'm telling you, it's razor thin, the cap space. It's less yeah. than $12 million they have to work with. And they have they have him and Miller to sign, and then they have four or five other roster spots they have to fill. I'm actually really surprised that you said that his skating, he's a good skater. Um, yes. I would imagine that that's not his best attribute. No, no, he's, um, a, he's a vision guy. Like, he yeah. sees the play. Um, you know, I, I think he's good away from the puck, which, which, you know, coming in as a young guy, that's, that's usually what you need to learn. He, he came in pretty, uh, defensively responsible and it's, you know, it comes down to matchups too. You're, you're in a heavy division there. So you're loaded against the jerseys and, 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 you know, Carolinas and the Pittsburgh. So there's not a, not a lot of easy, uh, in, in your division games, so, you know, are you putting them in a position to succeed? And, and part of player development is, is exactly that, you know, insulating a player, making sure a player, um, you know, is it, it has the ability to gain confidence rather than lose it. And I think Alex is certainly going into the playoffs this year. The worst thing that ever happened to him was them signing or uh, trading for Patty King. Yeah, you know? I guess that's a, that's a fair point. And I, I like that you did bring up that, you know, the top six, the wingers in front of him. Rangers yeah. have too many left wingers, Panarin, Kreider in front of him. 
um, for him to make it for for him to make an impact. And that left him, you know, towards like December, January of this season, kind of like on the outside. And eventually, he got healthy, scratched by uh, Gerard Gallant. Um, he worked his way back into the lineup, and he didn't start finding confidence until he was put with Heedle and Kako and formed no. the kid line. And to me, that was where he was at his best. But uh, the past couple of weeks on this show, we talked about um, in the very beginning of the season, there was a 15-game stretch. First 15 games of the season, Lafreniere played on the right side with Panarin and Trocheck. And we have been arguing that that's the best hockey we've seen him play in the NHL was him on the right side. Ironically, we think that Ranger, we meaning like Rangers fans think that he's much better on the left side because that's his natural side. Um, but he was able to, you know, get some opportunity on that right side, albeit only 15 games before getting a devotion or uh, getting the line squeaked again. But do you think like if he's placed on the right side that that works for him as well, even though it's away from his natural side? Yeah, he's a hockey player. You know what? I've never... Uh... I've never taken too much, uh, you know, when I played and, and when I coached. Um, I'm not a big positional guy up front other than the guy that takes the draw. Uh, I always would tell my teams, hey, you know what, you know, obviously you got a center iceman, you got a left winger, and you're a right winger. I don't care where you are as long as there's somebody in each lane. And when you got two guys deep, you got the F3 is going to be, you know, hanging and, and, and supporting the D on the back end. Um, so, yeah, right or left, whatever. If you're playing a flow style and, and, and a skilled game, the left winger isn't always going to be on the left side, right? You're, you're going to react to what your line mates are doing and what the opponent's doing specifically in the in the offensive zone. And, yeah, I, I think he can play anywhere. I really do. He's a, he's a, he's a real nice hockey player. Um, he's a real good kid, too, from what I've heard. I don't know the kid personally. Um, but I, I, you know, I know people that, 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 you know, have worked with them and, and played with them and everybody says he's just a humble, nice kid. Um, I'm not sure New York was the right place for, for kind of a kid like that, but, um, you know, I'll put this out there. If I'm going to say definitely Pat Kane, if Kane, cause Kane really wasn't anything in the playoffs. He, you know, he, he is who he is. Six points but, in seven games on a busted hip. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But here's my 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 thing. I think it kind of screwed Jerry Gallant bringing Pat Kane in. I think it screwed him because now, if you think about ice time in a game and you're managing a bench, you got you got a pie right, and you got all these guys that want a piece of that pie, and and Jerry's an old school guy. Jerry's a, you know, like you said, he, he scratched uh, Lafreniere or, you know, healthy scratch the first overall pick. That's ballsy, right? Um, Jerry's the type of guy that's going to come in and say, you know what? If you're not going, I don't give a shit who you are. You're not going to play tonight. Okay. When Drury brought in Tarasenko and Pat Kane, it kind of undermined everything that that Ranger team had kind of built towards because now there's pressure, and this is what happened, right? He's gone because him and Drury butted heads, and Drury was telling him to play this guy more or play this guy less, and Jerry Glant's not going to – he's not one of the – and this has happened to him, unfortunately. Happened to him in Vegas. Happened to him in Florida. Same thing. He's outspoken. Um, he's old school. He's not going to sit there and allow that. He doesn't need to coach. He likes to coach. 
he's, he's, he's financially he's fine, right? So when when Drury said, hey, you know what? I traded for Kane, and you, you know if you're not playing him enough, or you're not playing Tarasenko enough, or you're doing this or you're doing that, it's going to make us look bad and the scouting staff. Blah 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 blah. Drury said, I don't give a shit. You pay me to win hockey games, and I'm going to do what I have to do with my lineup to win hockey games. So I think. The Rangers are still playing right now. If they didn't make certainly the Kane trade, and I'm nothing against Pat Kane. Love the you know, love what he's done for the sport. Uh, um, you know, real you know skilled player, but I think they got pressured into into you know. I like the Tarasenko deal. Uh, I, I I really did. And then when that happened, and, and I thought the Kane one was going away, Kane only Kane basically told Chicago, "I'll go to the Rangers or I'll go to Toronto." Those are the only two places he'd go. So they kind of pigeonholed him. Toronto was kind of like – Toronto was in. And, and Toronto was going to get him if basically Chicago gave him away. They were going to take him, right? But then New York stepped up because I think Drury got pressure. I think Drury got pressure from the ownership, and I think Drury got pressure from the fan base when, when Patty went out and said, you know, in an interview, yeah, I was disappointed when they went out and got Tarasenko. Right. So now all of a sudden Drury's painted into a corner and he's like, oh, shit, I got to now I got to you know, if I don't do something and then we bow out in the first round, they're going to go. You could have had Patrick Kane. But, well, guess what? Care for what you wish for. You bring him in. And I think they get out of that Jersey series without him. You know? Yeah, I was I was thinking that the Rangers were going to settle for more of a bottom six guy like a Bukestad or. Marcus Johan, something might like have that. Might have been the way to go. Might have been the way to go because they were going yeah. good. They were going good. Um, and, you know, all credit to Jersey. That's that's going to be a real good hockey team for a long yeah, time. Of course. Right. I, so, I just think that at the deadline, the Rangers needed two wingers and uh, that could score. They were missing two top six wingers because before they traded for Tarasenko, they had Goudreau and Jimmy Vesey in the top six. They had the kid line, which was rolling. And they didn't want to split that up. Remember that they were they were scoring points. It didn't make sense to split them up. So they needed two wingers. Um, Barbashev would have been a perfect a perfect second liner. I don't know how they would have made the cap work, but I think that would have been a good. Uh, that probably would have been better than Kane. But yeah, he probably was. Jury was probably uh, backed into a corner. I mean, you have Patrick Kane on the table, like basically for peanuts. Right getting him for free essentially they didn't even give up a first round pick this year or anything and you're getting him at pennies on the dollar especially his cap hit i mean it's a future hall of famer so like how could you say no so i don't blame jury for for doing that i'll always say that but hindsight probably should have gone after barbershop but i mean the devil's certainly played better than the Rangers in the first round. And I'll fully admit to that, even being a Rangers fan. Um, I, I'm sure you noticed this. Everybody that I've talked to has, has said that the best thing about the Devils is their speed and that they really, really put the Rangers in bad spots. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and they, you know what, they, um, they're coached well, right? Um, Lindy Ruff's been around a long time. And just like Jerry Gallant, right? They, uh, they, it was a chess game out there. But the problem was, and the difference was, um, you know, other than uh, who was it? Uh, who did they bring over from San Jose? Timo Meyer. Yeah. So other than Meyer, he knew his team. He knew what he had. He brought. They, they got the Hughes kid on the back end. He played a bit. Um, 
but uh, he knew his team. He knew he 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 knew who he was throwing out there. He knew what they were. And my experience plan, he he played with Heischer and on you know, the Swiss team, right? Um, at at World Championships and things like that. So you know there was some there was some familiarity here. Um, I think, and I, you know, Meyer would have helped anybody, right? Meyer would have helped anybody in the league. He's that type of player, big, heavy, you know, skilled, um, doesn't shy away. Um, New York brought in two guys that shy away, right? And, and in playoffs, you, you, you gotta, you know, Toronto brought in O'Reilly. That was the type of player probably that New York would have, would have, uh, would have been better off for, for their top six. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? We don't know that they could have. Uh, they could have got a, got, a, got a bounce in the Jersey series and you know won the Stanley Cup. So, like I said, 12, 14, 16 teams have the ability Stanley can win the Stanley Cup every year. It's you know luck and officiating's been you know horrendous. I I, uh, I agree. Kind of uh, we've been talking about uh, Gary Bettman a little bit. Did you see my uh, take on on what's going on there? I saw I saw a little bit of it. Yeah, uh, I mean the officiating has been very interesting. I'm yeah. very surprised by the, the Department of Player Safety. Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I will, I will refrain from from any from any comments. I'll just say the trooper hit on Meyer. I thought that was clean in round one, right in game yeah. seven. Yeah, no. yeah, and true. You know what? Trooper plays the game hard, and you know you got to be aware when a guy like that's on the ice. Period. Like he, you know. Mm-hmm. You're gonna know who you're matched up against. It's no different than than you know Scotty Stevens and Darius Casparitis and guys like that that uh, you know they'll take your head off. That's you know, and Truba backs himself up, right? I don't like the every time you hit somebody, you got to fight now. But uh, um, he stands up and you know he takes it and, and 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 you know he'll drop the mitts and you know basically answer the bell if. Uh, Somebody thinks it was dirty, and the thing about it is, and it's it's so fast now, right? I knew when I played if somebody did something dirty because it was a lot slower. Now it's so fast. You look out of the corner of your eye and you see your teammate on the ice, and and Truba standing beside him, the gloves come off. That's what you do, right? Because because he's got a little bit of a history. So, but yeah, no, I you know I you got a good team there. A um, couple tweaks of the you know coaching. Uh, um is going to be uh you know a question mark right now there's there's uh there's four that i've heard um and then there's one that i'm going to throw a name out there that uh maybe a a little bit of a dark horse but i can Mm -hmm. see him filling so um mike sullivan is out though he's staying in pittsburgh that came out today he's yeah, no, he's not on my list at all. I've heard that, dude. That doesn't make sense to me. No, yeah, it never made sense to me either. It's it's the best possible outcome, but it's just the least likely outcome as well, you know? Right. And try, I mean, it was all him. If Keith and Dubas went there to Pittsburgh and then Sullivan would be available. Yeah. Now uh, Dubas you know. is only gonna go to Toronto. He's only he's either he's gonna stay in Toronto or not yeah. GM next year. Yeah. Yeah, um, we'll see about that. I'm not, you know, I that's a whole show. Um, what's going on in Toronto here right now? There's a bunch of balls in the air, and I have my theories on what's going to happen. But uh, my theory is uh, there's going to be a lot of guys not back, and Dubas and Shanahan and uh, Keith are three of them, and then uh, one of Matthews or, or Marner is gone. Um, that's what I think. I think the- I think the the Leafs have to do whatever it takes to keep O'Reilly. That's a good player. Well, he wants to test free agency. 
He doesn't want to stay, I don't think. I think he'll come back if the, the money's right, but they're they're like trying to qualify him or, or bring him in on a couple of year deal for, for two and a half, three million, and he could get seven or eight or yeah. nine somewhere else, right? Yeah, the Rangers and the Leafs are in a very similar spot. Like, I mean, yeah. both the the Leafs had a I don't know if you could classify that as a successful year. It's a you won a round for the first time with that course, so you know you have something there, but then you get you lose in five games. Right. So is that an underachieving year or, you know, I think think it is. Then the Rangers season is absolutely an underachieving season. So it's like two cores that are pretty similar cap tied up in a small amount of forwards and and defensemen and uh, not a lot of room to work with. And you have to find, you know, money ball players that you can use next year to make make the team better. Um, but I mean, on a coaching update for the Rangers, I know you had a couple on your list. Uh, Mike yeah. Babcock has been rumored. Uh, yeah, I got him here. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't think I don't see it, just because I think uh, with you know how he went out and some of the stuff that came out um, about his behavior over the you know the course of his career, like it or, or, or not, we're in a new game now. You can't uh, behave, you know, the old school way that you know I would have coached when I coached and. You know, Babs did as well. Um, he's certainly talking. He's going to be back this year. I have him, honestly, um, either in Columbus or uh, Anaheim. Um, I think he's he's going to coach one of those teams next year. You got Joel Quenville would would be a you know fantastic coach. Again, there's some you know the 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 issues that he he kind of went through and and maybe you know buried or or shied away from dealing with in Chicago are still hurting him. I know that that was the Rangers' first choice. Um, I've heard that that they basically, uh, Batman went to ownership and said, no, no, you're not going to go there, right? And, and and then there was a little bit of a back and forth that said, well, you know, is he is he allowed to, to, to come back? Are you going to reinstate him? And he said, he doesn't know. So why would you sign a guy and make a big, you know, uh parade and and whatnot to, to announce that you got coach q and then you know all of a sudden batman says yeah no he's got another year he's not going to be here so there's no it's, it's, a, it's a goofy thing joey because you've got um you've you've got a guy that obviously can coach right tremendous coach he made a mistake you know 15 years ago and didn't deal with something that he should have dealt with as, as the coach as the leader of the of the group and you know but it's not like uh, you know a suspension to a player, right? It's not like you have twenty five games because you, you know, you did this. It's like they didn't even they didn't even kick him out. Basically, the NHL went in and said, "You resign, right?" And stepped back from Florida. He was he was renting David Boland's house when when uh, when when he was coaching there, and uh, basically they just said, "Yeah, you're done," you know. So he. He walked away, but there's no definitive timeline, and I don't know if he he'll ever get reinstated. But it ain't going to be in New York. It's no different than Babcock. I think you see you'll see Quenville come back into a you know a, a, a Nashville or a, you know somewhere maybe that's that's not going to be uh, you know high on the radar, right? Yeah, that would be it. Would be a nightmare for in New York or like a, yeah. a like a Toronto or something like that. That's not the place. I agree no. with you. That's not the place for, for Quenville to make the return. I have a feeling that it would, like, this is just pure speculation on my part that 
if it was Quenville, then it came from James Dolan in ownership. Because yeah, through Batman. Batman went to Dolan and said, you're not doing this. Yeah. That, that, uh, that's the bottom line what happened. Right? I'm interested um, in... Another guy on my list that's quite yeah, interesting. Yeah, Patrick Roth. Is Patty Roy. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's their guy. I think he's the guy that they want. Um, he just changed agents. He's got a new agent. He said he's not going to coach in Quebec in the Quebec League next year. That team that he's coaching is right now they're in town here in Halifax and playing the Halifax Mooseheads in the Quebec League uh, final. So they're up. They split in Quebec last weekend, and then uh, Quebec won last night in overtime here in Halifax. And, and they're playing tonight. So he's either going back to Quebec with a uh, 2-2 or, or up 3-1. And he uh, they're drawing 18,000 people in that Quebec rink for a junior game. Wow. And it sold out 18,000, right? So so if Arizona's going to move, you know, that's that's kind of kind of where uh, where you got to look first, man. It's a hockey town. They're looking at Houston and Kansas City and Salt Lake City and all these crazy places that, you know, you're four or five years away from. they got to go expansion route to those teams, I think. If those places want to come in, you want to expand to 34, 36 teams, have at her. Don't take an existing franchise and expect it to, to succeed in a new town. Do what Seattle did and Vegas did, right? Build it, have an expansion draft. I can get on board with that. Yeah, you know. So, you know, but anyway, Pat, Pat Waller, deserves it. I think Quebec deserves it. Yeah, and Pat Raw, if if I think he's their guy, and I think the backup is one of these two. And you wrote an article I read there, uh, Chris Goblock, who's a tremendous coach, has had success at every every level. Um, you know, he, he's coached some, he's developed young players. Connor McDavid would be one that stands out. There's uh, who's the kid that played for Chicago and got traded to Ottawa? Brinkett. What's that? Yeah, DeBrink. Alex He played for him as well. Um, he, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a good, uh, you know, my wife grew up in the same town as him in Imperial Saskatchewan. So, you know, she knew him growing up. I didn't, I don't know him at all, but I remember when he came in, uh, he came into the Western League with uh, uh, the Kootenai Ice and he, and he went to the Memorial Cup with the Kootenai Ice. It was in Guelph, Guelph, Ontario back then. I don't know, in the mid 2000s, something like that. And uh, then he ended up uh, in Erie. And then he ended up, uh, he was on the Philly uh, Philly bench as an assistant with Dave Haxtell. Um, and then when Haxtell got canned, he got canned too. And and there was rumors of him going, you know, all over the place, back to junior. There was, and then he, he decided that he, you know, he didn't want to be an assistant anymore. He wanted to be a head coach again. And, and he took the Hartford job. So I think, you know, he's a guy that will, will be quite capable. The other guy is a guy by the name of Jay Leach. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I don't know too much about him. Yeah, I, I see him as a good fit for this organization. He's in Seattle right now. He's paid his dues. He's coached at every level. He's a real good uh, communicator. Um, I think he, he's, he's, a, he's a good blend between uh, an ex-Z guy that, that, you know, looks at, looks at analytics and things like that. And a guy like, you know, more so like Meyer, where it's, you know, go out there and outwork them and, you know, beat the shit out of them in the corner. And that's how we're going to be successful. So he's got that mix. And, and you know, the only thing about about Jay Leach and Knobloch is, bottom line, is it sexy enough for the New York Rangers? Right? Is that higher 
are the you know what I mean? Are people gonna come come on? I think they will on Patrick Watt. I've heard that there's a little bit of split. Oh, why would we want him? But the guy can coach. He's had a tremendous amount of success in the Quebec Major Junior League. He he was a real good coach in Colorado when he was there. Um, he got more out of those teams that he had. He didn't have very good teams, and he got a lot out of those hockey clubs. Um, he he's fiery. He the the the. the he, He's going to have a little bit of Tortorella in him, where you know if a uh, you know Brooksy gets gets worked up in a press conference and says the wrong thing, Patty will Patty will you know, that'll be it, right? And that, and I think you need that in that bar. Okay. Uh, um, it's like Toronto, okay. um, but I think you know if 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 Wall comes in and they're five hundred at Christmas time, there won't be a panic. If Knobloch or uh, Leach comes in and they're 500 at Christmas time. There's a panic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The one thing, no was, guys would, yeah, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be trending towards, you know, I would think if they're 500 at Christmas, it's because they've had some bad luck and, and maybe some injuries. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm, he's the guy. I think they're waiting on him. That's why they're not doing anything. He's, uh, so, you know, he's either, you know, he's done, done in the Quebec League this weekend. If Halifax comes back and wins that series. Or he goes to the Memorial Cup uh, uh, the following weekend in Kamloops, and it's you know, it's two weeks away. But I think he's the guy, and I think that's the only team he'll go coach. I don't think he's. I don't see him as if somebody said Columbus. I don't see him as a fit in Columbus. Um, he's a he's a big market guy. Uh, he likes the spotlight. He's not not afraid to. Um, he was the first guy that started pulling the goalie early. Right when when he was in Colorado, he was the first guy that ridiculous. You know, it was like it was three like, three and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah, but it worked, and now everybody does it. Right, mm -hmm. I I remember even if you had a two goal deficit when I when I started coaching and when I played in the seventies and the eighties, it was about a minute. Me, if you were a minute and a half, you were ballsy, right? And he all of a sudden, you know, he's yanking. And he was a goalie. So what's that tell you? I think he understands. Um, so he, he changed the game a little bit in that respect. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he, I think he's the guy. I really do. If I'm, if I'm making that higher, I'm doing whatever I can to get him. And then I'm maybe looking at bringing in, you know, guys like Leach and Knobloch as an assistant. Yeah, okay. Obviously, if they're in the conversation right now, but you're probably going to have to overpay them to do that. Right. Because when you, when you, when you are labels as an assistant, that's, that's what you're labeled as. Very few guys are able to, to, to kind of crawl out of that, that um, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, right? To just the way you're labeled. And, uh, you know, Rick Bonus comes to mind as one that, you know, he was assistant for 25, 30 years in the NHL, and now he's a head coach again, right? Um, but most of them, you know, that's, that's, that's not going to, uh, not going to happen. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, Knobloch will know some of the kids, right. From, from being in Hartford and, um, he'll know, you know, he'll, he'll have some, some, some say on some personnel and whatnot. I don't know if he would, Jay Leach would be a better, uh, a better chance to get him on as an assistant. Um, but I think if you overpaid Knobloch and basically said, you know, brought him up and said, look, you know what, we're bringing in Wah, you know, we really like you. You're the next guy, right? Just, you know, I think he would, but you know, we'll see. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of, that's how I see it going. I'm interested to see, um, you know, 
there was the the exit interviews with the Rangers after they lost against the Devils. What they had to say about Gallant, it wasn't the prettiest. So it makes me believe that the relationship was not as good. I, I guess maybe towards the end of the season, maybe maybe they weren't buying into what the coach had planned out for them, or like strategy wise, or how he was in the dressing room. I'm interested. How is like Patrick Waugh with like players? Is he? I know you said he's fiery, but like, does he? Is is this a guy that the players will resonate with? Yeah, and so is Jerry. Jerry Gallant is a player's coach. No mistake about it. He's a player's coach. Jerry Gallant will come into your face and call you every name in the book and then forget that he did it. And then the next, you know, then, you know, he's like, hey, how's your wife? He's old school. He wants the game played the right way. He's not an X and O guy. He's, you know, his assistants would handle that kind of stuff. He would be around. Let's go out there and group. He would protect the players from the coaches or from the management. If Drury wanted to, was talking about moving somebody, Jerry would fight till death for a guy. He was a very, very popular teammate when he played in the National Hockey League, and he was a very, very popular coach. His problems have never been with the players. His problems have been with kind of dealing with uh, management and, and differences in philosophy. Um, so I, that's a little shocking. I didn't see any of the exit interviews. That's a little shocking to me that the players, but yeah, was he was, already gone then? Was, to me was he already gone? What's that? Was he already gone when they, when they were talking? No, no, it wow. was so he, it was the day of, of breakup. It was breakup day. Right. And that was the last time that the players talked to the media yeah. before summer and Gallant actually, you know, like address the media. Like he, he took the conference. Usually when a coach, for the Rangers, at least, is about to get fired. They won't be there. They won't be there at all. Um, I think the last guy to do it was Tortorella, where yeah, they were all was, yeah. yeah. Um, but like when when Goudreau and Trouba were asked about Gallant, they you know, I don't know if it was because they were pissed off that they lost and that it was over or whatever. But I don't know. There's a lot of stuttering, a lot of ums, a lot of long pauses. They didn't seem like it. Didn't seem like how they were in the regular season or, or the relationship last year in the playoffs. I don't know. So it just kind of feeds into what I said earlier, right? I think the players knew I, I, from what I heard and I, you know, I, I can't, uh, I can't say this from, from a hundred percent, but the story I heard is that Drury and Galak got into it very, very heavily and vocal and out there. So, Players saw it, media saw it. There, there, it wasn't, it wasn't, and I don't know, you know, whether it was after game seven, I think it was somewhere in the middle of the series, uh, from what I heard. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, four, players, I the players know that, right? But part of the stuff that I said earlier, you know, is that I think Drury kind of screwed Jerry by bringing in the guys that he did and then putting the ex expectations. So if, if the players, you know, all of a sudden, from they're playing 20 minutes and now they're playing 16. They're not getting any power play time because now they got Tarasenko and Kane, right? Two legends, right? That 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 makes it the, the, the players kind of go. And and Jerry's caught in the middle because he's like, Well, how do I divvy up this ice time? Right? What do you want me to do? Right? You bring in two 20-minute guys that play 
75% of the power play time, right? Now, how do I, how, how do I give the rest of the, keep the rest of these guys happy? And it, that caused dissension in the room more so I think than anything Jerry did, you know, he's uh he's a player's coach. Interesting. Yeah. That was the thing. That was the descriptor on, uh, on Glant when he first came in, that he was a player's coach. Yeah. He would, he would take the bullet for yeah. the players anytime in, in interviews and press conferences all the time. Yeah. From the moment he walked in that I will, I appreciate that. I love that he was accountable and stuff like, like he would tell it how it was. Like, I like that stuff. You mentioned that the Tortorella aspect of Patrick while I always be in favor of that. Cause Tortorella was one of my favorite coaches for the Rangers. Um, I don't know. I think, I think uh, the Jay Leach Knobloch thing as an assistant is appealing too. if it is Patrick Waugh. I don't know. I don't know too much about Waugh's coaching style. Maybe I go back and, and look at like the old avalanche teams, but I mean, the first year I remember when he coached the avalanche, his first year was McKinnon's first year. Yeah. And that year. So obviously they go from one of the worst teams in the league and Made they the playoffs. the playoffs. Yeah. Made the playoffs and then they lost. And then, you know, two years later, they finished last and got McCarr. <laughs> yeah. They should have won the lottery that year and they ended up fourth. They were, they were the worst record. Yeah. With McKinnon. So they didn't have a very good team. He coached them that first year. But Patrick Waugh is going to be very similar to Tortorella, very similar to Bob Hartley, Daryl Sutter. He's got about a two-year shelf life, right? And he's going to either piss off ownership, piss off management. You know, the players are going to kind of tune him out because he's going to go in and he'll get in your face, right? And a guy like that can, right? He's, you know, arguably the best goalie that ever played the game, right? Top five for sure. And and he's he's going to go in there, and he, he there's not going to be any uh, any um, sort of meekness from him. And 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 I find coaching now is a lot lot meeker than it has ever been. You're not going to get that with Walk. He'll be yelling at you. He'll be yelling at the other coach. He'll be screaming at the referee. He might get tossed the odd time. Um, so it's you know if the if the group buys in, uh, it's great, and it's great for a year or two. And then it starts to get old, right? Then the guys are like, okay, I'm not going to listen to this grown man spitting and carrying on. Like, no, I'm done. I make $8 million bucks a year. You know, this is crazy. I'm not doing it. So I think, you know, I, I think he could. But the thing about it is, and you, you made the comparison between the Rangers and Toronto. And, and um, I, I love the analogy, you know, real good, you know, on paper, real good groups. You see it, right? Yeah. Here's the problem. <laughs> Here's the problem. This was the year. Yep. Because because look at look at look at the teams that are coming up right now in that East Coast Conference. You there? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Look I'm at the here. teams that are coming up in the Eastern Conference. You got Detroit Red Wings. They're going to be a real good club in a couple of years. Buffalo Sabres are probably a playoff team next year. Ottawa Senators. Yeah. Don't sleep. Don't sleep on Ottawa. I know that. They play hard. Carolina's still going to be good. Florida and Tampa, they're still going to be good, right? Montreal's going to be good, right? You, you find me a weak, you know, Columbus, excuse me, if they're coached properly, I mean, they've got two of the most dynamic hockey players in the world. Pat, Pat Lyon, I think, next to Austin Matthews is probably the – and and maybe Pasternak is probably the most pure goal scorer 
in the NHL. And Goudreau, he's unreal. I didn't like the coach there last year. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know too much about that guy, but it doesn't look like he was the answer. Yeah, working on. Uh, I think we're going to get Yarmo Kekalainen on my my uh, my Sunday show and uh, oh, wow. sit down and kind of talk about uh, some stuff here in the next couple of weeks. That's a huge. Yeah, that's a huge. A uh, get get we got. You know, I have that next week. Yeah, Sunday night uh, coming up um, for your listeners. I've got Gilbert Dion. So. Gilbert played, won a cup with Montreal in 93, played, uh, played with Philadelphia and Florida as well. His older brother, Marcel Dion, um, is an obvious legend. Yes. Anyway, so Gilbert's coming on uh, Sunday night um, on road, road to the Show. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, have you tuned in to any of the episodes? I haven't I haven't tuned in yet. I got to go watch the Dave Bolin one because I yeah, definitely Bolin want to hear the I'm sure the yeah. dynamic between you guys is is incredible. I yeah, have we we had some fun. So my my little fellow, we have, we have one of, we have a little segment where my nine year old comes on and he asks the guests a few questions. So he came on and he, you know, I think the first one to David was, "Who's your favorite team?" And 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 I got a clip of it. So you know, David said, "Wow, well, yeah, I got to stick with Chicago. I won two cups there." And he goes, "But I'm a Toronto guy, so you know, I'd like to see the Leafs win the cup." And, and this is a week before the draft lottery. And then my my nine year old Jack says, "So what would you think if Chicago won the lottery and they got Bedard <laughs> a week before?" So David goes, "Oh well, that would speed up the rebuild. I think that'd be tremendous." Blah 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 blah, you know. And then Jack's next question was, "My dad a good coach?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then we got to hear about you know, and he said I was, so it wasn't bad. So, yeah, but uh, he was good. Uh, Brian Prop, I had Brian Prop on. He was he was a real good guest. I, I I was trying to make a case for him to go in the Hall of Fame. If you look at his numbers and guys that are in the in the Hall, he's uh, he's got more points in less games than both of the Sedins. Wow. Yeah. So Brian wow. played less games and he has more points than either one of them, and they're both in. So you know, I think he's you know left wingers points per game. He's you know get their sick. Fifth, fifth or sixth all time. So I did not know that. And then uh, probably going in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Brian Prop should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, thousand four four points in uh uh, ten hundred sixteen games. That's that's nuts. That's a really good career. Right. Five foot ten, one hundred ninety five pound left winger. Yeah. Yeah. So listen to that show. That's a real good show. Um, and then there's, uh, I had, uh, Ian Duncan used to play in the Winnipeg organization and then, uh, real cool story with him on this one. If any of your listeners are interested in the old Gretzky days. So he played, he played in Winnipeg and they, they got, they played Edmonton every year in the playoffs for like five years. And Ian was a big, heavy guy that, you know, threw his body around. He chipped in, he had, you know, look him up, look at his numbers. I A I N is the first name Duncan. So anyway, I, and I didn't know this. We started, we were talking about his career. So he ends up, uh, he, he leaves Winnipeg. And then next thing you know, he's in Phoenix in the aisle with the uh, um, Phoenix Roadrunners. So I said, well, how did you end up in Phoenix? Like he had a pretty good year in Winnipeg that year. And he said, well, he said, I signed with LA. And he said, I, you know, I just thought that, you know, I was getting an offer to come to camp and, you know, earn, try to earn a spot on the team. So I went to camp and I got hurt. They gave me number 27 in camp which tells you you're, you've got a spot. If you get 27 in camp, you're probably going to be a roster player. The guys that aren't going to be in, in on the team are 
You know, if you ever ever show up at an NHL training camp and they give you 63 or, you know, 82 or some high number, you're probably not going to make the team, right? They got you penciled in the minor somewhere. Well, they got it. They give him 27. And John Tonelli wore 27 the year before in LA and he just got traded back to Long. So he goes down there and, and all the sequels into a stall and they give him 27. Well, he gets hurt in training camp. Ends up in Phoenix on a rehab, rehab stint and never really makes it back. Doesn't make it back to the NHL. Ends up uh, playing in the minors, won two or three East Coast League titles. Um, but he was he was he was going to be Gretzky's left winger in LA. Gretzky said because he was so hard to play against when he played in Winnipeg. Gretzky went to to management and he said, if you can get this Duncan guy from Winnipeg, get him. I'd love to play with him. He's real heavy. He's hard to play against, and he's got pretty good hands. Can you imagine the difference in his career if that had a, he didn't get injured in that camp? That's not, yeah. Right? So real good stories like that. That's what we do. Um, I, I talk less about their their, their hockey uh, and, and being on the ice than I I talk about their childhood and how they grew up and, yeah. you know, some, some of the people along the way that kind of, you know, they uh, tribute to, to, to get them get them where they are so it's a lot of fun that's a cool story i like that like uh i'm looking at his numbers now duncan had uh had some good point totals with winnipeg before before he got hurt yeah yeah that's a shame that's a shame that he's oh and i got another uh i'm gonna have a two-part with a uh, former ranger captain and his story's so big it we're gonna do a two-parter uh barry beck bubba yeah oh really very yeah. beck yeah so, Man, so Bubba, yeah, he's a friend of mine, and, and he's he's had a tough go. He lost, uh, you know, another Ranger um, uh, player. I'll think of it, but he and then he, he his son, Barry's son, was murdered a couple of years ago, just outside Toronto, and then uh, he lost uh, what's his name? Anyway, he, another player played for the U.S. Olympic team in 1980, and one of Barry's best friends, and he he. Uh, he passed tragically a few years ago too. So he's had a tough go. Um, I know, uh, you know, he's got a story that he wants to, wants to share. He's, he's writing a book right now. That's going to be fantastic. And um, so, yeah, I, you know, we're, I'm just waiting for him to, the, you know, give me the, 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 the firm date and, but we're going to do a two-parter. We're going to talk, you know, one, uh, one full hour about, uh, you know, his, his childhood and his career and kind of, you know, walk through that and then the next one is kind of post-career and some of the issues that he's had uh had to deal with over certainly the last five ten years that's really cool barry beck was before my time but i know a lot of listeners of this show it's probably in your time so yeah. if you want to take a look at that uh go follow road to the show on twitter and uh you know keep up with uh, with johnny mack he's got some good stories to tell I had him on on Center Ice when I was doing Center Ice for Old City Sports a couple months ago, and we heard some great stories about his time in Europe. Great stories there. Uh, I got to look at that Dave Boland thing, and I can't wait for the Barry Beck one. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah. And anyways, thanks, John, so much for doing this with me. Uh, Ice Cold Takes listeners, take care. We'll see you guys next time. Hey, Rangers fans. Thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. Time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.